0: We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson Preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi And now, Mike Hickson There are a lot of things that you could say about the life of the Apostle Paul Paul was, by all accounts, an unusual man. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure that I can fully grasp the tenacity of the Apostle Paul, his servant mindset. There are just so many things that flood the mind when you think about the life of the Apostle Paul. One of the things that stands out in my mind is the fact that time and again the Apostle Paul was knocked to the mat. Paul had the ability to get up, dust himself off, and move forward. And I think one of the real problems that we have in life today is that sometimes we give up. We throw in the towel. It's easy to become a quitter. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of folks that that has defined them. And yet, as a child of God, when you think about the Apostle Paul, Paul was not a quitter, was he? That wasn't Paul, and that shouldn't be us. It's easy to become discouraged and despondent. It's so easy to get to a point where you just throw up your hands and say, you know, what's the use? Paul didn't do that, nor should we. I was reading this past week about probably one of the greatest presidents to have ever served this country, Abraham Lincoln. If you haven't taken the time to look at the life of President Lincoln, you need to do that. An unusual man. And really what stands out in my mind, the number of obstacles that he faced. And yet, Abraham Lincoln had this tenacious spirit this no-quit attitude. Let me just read for you some things that I think help to put into perspective the fact that we have to be faithful all the way. In 1816, his family was forced out of their home. He had to work to support them. 1818, his mother died. 1831, failed in business. 1832, ran for state legislator, lost. 1832, lost his job, wanted to go to law school, but couldn't get in. 1833, borrowed money from a friend to begin a business. By the end of the year, he was bankrupt. Spent the next 17 years of his life paying off the debt. 1834, ran for state legislator again, won this time. 1836, had a total nervous breakdown. In bed for six months. 1838 sought to become speaker of the state legislature, was defeated. 1840 sought to become elector, defeated. 1843 ran for Congress, lost. 1846 ran for Congress again, this time won. 1848 ran for re election to Congress, lost. 1849 sought the job of land officer in his home state, rejected. 1854 ran for Senate in the U.S., lost. 1856, sought the vice presidential nomination at his party's national convention, got less than 100 votes. 1858, ran for U.S. Senate again, and again he lost. 1860, elected president of the United States. I read that because there was a constant theme there. That theme was, time and again, Abraham Lincoln lost. Look at his life. The losses far outweighed the victories if you read this sheet. And yet to put it into perspective, he became probably one of the greatest presidents in this nation, beloved by so many people. What I'm saying is this. Abraham Lincoln did not let the losses of life define him. And we shouldn't either. So I want you to think with me about the life of the Apostle Paul because when I look at the life of the Apostle Paul, what stands out to me is he was faithful until the very end. So listen to what he says in verse 6. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul first and foremost in this context speaks of his departure to be with the Lord. He had come to the realization that it was time to say farewell or goodbye. I want you to think about that for a minute. He had come to the realization that it was time to say farewell or goodbye. You see, for Paul, death was imminent. Now, it might not be imminent in our lives today, but... The flip side is, maybe it is. We might be closer to death than we like to think. Paul recognized, look, the handwriting is on the wall, the end is near. Not only did he realize death was imminent, but he also recognized that death was inevitable. I think there are a lot of people in our world today, for whatever reason, they want to block from their mind thoughts of death. The harsh reality of the matter is, as the Hebrew writer said, it is appointed unto man once to die, after this cometh the judgment. We may not want to think about death, we might not want to talk about death, but it is before us. The psalmist said we might live to be 70, 80 years of age, but it soon cut off and he said we fly away. So listen, whether we like it or not, we are all terminal, aren't we? You know, Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. James compared life to a vapor that appears for a little while and then he said it vanishes away. We are literally here today and gone tomorrow. So when you look at the life of the apostle Paul, what he's saying is, look, I know death is imminent. Paul would later be beheaded by Nero Caesar. The time would be about A.D. 68. Paul understood that for him, the time had come to say farewell. And as I try to put that into perspective, what comes to my mind is that there will come a day when we too will say goodbye to friends and family members. Not only was there the realization that it was time to say farewell, but there was readiness to say farewell. Paul said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul, as you well know, welcomed death. Paul had wanted to go be with the Lord for a long time, hadn't he? Do you remember back in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Paul said to be home in the body is to be absent from the Lord. And then he would say we walk by faith and not by sight. He said we're confident, yes, well pleased to be absent from the body be present with the Lord. When Paul wrote to the church at Philippi he said look for to me to live is Christ to die is gain. In verse 23 he said to depart and be with Christ is far better. Paul longed for the day when he would be in the presence of God. Paul was looking forward to that day when he would be face to face with the Lord. And so In verse 6, he simply speaks of his departure to be with the Lord. But then look at verse 7. In verse 7, Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And then he said, I have kept the faith. First, Paul was a fighter, wasn't he? When you look at the life of the apostle Paul, and it is evident, this guy is a fighter. Nobody's going to bring him down. As a matter of fact, there are two things stand out in my mind when I think about the life of the apostle Paul. Number one, he was not a pacifist. Paul understood that as a child of God, we are involved in spiritual warfare. That's why when he wrote to Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said, look, you wage the good warfare. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he said, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 12, Paul would say, fight the good fight of faith. Paul understood that as a child of God, we have have a war to be engaged in, don't we? We're battling the devil. So when he wrote to the saints in Ephesus, he could say, Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes of the devil. Paul understood that as a child of God, we are involved every single day in spiritual warfare. So Paul was a fighter. He was, not, he was not by any stretch of the imagination a pacifist. He understood he was called to be a soldier in the Lord's army. And Let me tell you what. He was a soldier. He was a fighter. He was not a pacifist, nor was he a pessimist. Look at the life of Paul. Do you think Paul ever got discouraged, dismayed, despondent? Do you ever think Paul felt like just walking away and saying, you know what, I've had enough. I love what Paul said in writing to the church at Corinth. He said, we are hard-pressed on every side. He said, but we're not crushed. He said, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. And then he said, cast down, but not destroyed. Paul could say, look, You need to understand, I am hemmed in on every side. But they haven't crushed me. Am I perplexed? Yes. Do I understand everything that's going on? No. But I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but guess what? I haven't been been forsaken. The Lord's still with me. I've been cast down, but I haven't been destroyed. That is an optimist. How many times do we as Christians... Approach the Christian life from the vantage point of being a pacifist. We don't want to get our hands dirty. We don't want to go to war. We don't understand that we're fighting against the devil and his army. That's why we lose. Because we are pacifist. And then many times we're, we're pessimist, aren't we? Our attitude is we can't, I can't. I failed, I lost. Let me tell you what, that wasn't Paul. You can read the writings of the Apostle Paul, some 13 books in our New Testament, and over and over and over again, one thing stands out about the life of the Apostle Paul, and that is this, he was a fighter. And let me tell you what, as a child of God, we have to be fighters too. We have to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. We have to, as Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. So you think about it this way. Number one, he was a fighter. Number two, he was a finisher. Listen to what he said again. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Sometimes in in athletics, for example, in football, a team will be playing their hearts out, and they will lead for the better part of the game, and then the fourth quarter comes, and time begins to dwindle down, and guess what? They can't close the deal, can they? They lose the game. Happened a week ago in a championship game. The team led for the better, the better part of the game, and down to about a minute left The opposing team came back, and guess what? They won. Paul was a finisher. Think about in the realm of of sales. When you're selling a product or a service, your goal is to close the deal, right? You want to get paid? You better close the deal. If you want to be successful as a salesman in this day and time, You have to have the ability to close the deal. As a child of God, you want to get to heaven, you've got to close the deal. You've got to cross the finish line. Paul said, look, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Some of you here today, you've given up. You've quit, possibly. Think about it. What happened? Why'd you quit? Why'd you give up? Discouragement? Despondency? Why'd you quit? Paul said, look, I've fought a good fight. I finished the course, and then he said, I have kept the faith. Paul was a fighter, yes. Paul was a finisher, absolutely. But Paul was also faithful. He said, I've kept the faith. Let me tell you what. Peter, many, many years ago, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, talks about people that have forsaken the right way. They quit being faithful. They gave up. Turned aside. And Paul's saying, look, you need to understand something about me. You need to understand, number one, I am a fighter. Number two, I'm a finisher. When I start something, I finish it. I don't quit. I don't give up. That's not who I am. And let me tell you what, as a child of God, that's not who we are. We're not supposed to be quitters. We're not supposed, we are not supposed to bail out. And yet sometimes we do, don't we? So Paul is saying, look, you need to understand, you need to understand I'm a fighter, I'm a finisher, and I am faithful. I am faithful in my submission to the Lord. Look at the life of Paul. Do you not see somebody who sought to the best of his ability to submit himself to the King of kings and Lord of lords? Do you not see somebody who sought to live a life in submission to the will of God? It wasn't about Paul. It was about Christ, wasn't it? Paul said, listen again in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He said, for to me to live is Christ. In chapter 2, he talked about the obedience of Jesus. That through that obedient spirit, he was willing to go to the cross. He said, yes, even the death of the cross. Paul understood that Jesus was faithful and obedient to the the Father. And he understood, look, that's what I've got to be to my Father. Faithful in his submission to the Lord. He was faithful in his service to the Lord. Let me just say this. I think when Paul came to the end of his life, he had left everything on the field, as we say. Everything. Paul gave his all. Nothing was held back. Paul could live a life of faithful service to the Lord. As a matter of fact, when you look at the life of the apostle Paul, he sums it up. I said just a minute ago, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, for to me to live is Christ. Paul saying, look, for me, life is about Christ, it's about serving Christ. Did he want to go home and be with the Lord? Yes. But he said, "Look, for me to stay it's more needful for you." Why? Because I can serve you. Have we quit in our service to the Lord? I hope not. Why? Because that's not who we are. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, "We have been created in Christ Jesus under good works." In other words, what Paul is saying is, "We are God's masterpiece." And as his masterpiece, we are to live a life that brings honor and glory to him. Don't you think that's what Paul was about? Think about the church today. The Bible talks about well, Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5. How we are to be that city set on a hill. The light of the world. If the world is going to be changed, it's going to be changed by those of us who view ourselves as servants of the Lord. Who are trying to be lights in a darkened world. The world is in darkness, and Jesus said men love darkness rather than light. Just because darkness exists doesn't mean walk away and say, what's the use? I give up. No. Did Jesus give up? No, he did not. Did Paul give up? No. He was faithful in his submission to the Lord. He was faithful in his service to the Lord, and he was faithful in his steadfastness to the Lord. Paul practiced what he preached. When he wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, he said, be ye steadfast, immovable. Now listen to him. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's service. What Paul is saying is, look, you need to be steadfast in your service to God. Why? Because the Lord will, He will reward you one day. The Bible says God is not unrighteous to forget our work and labor of love. So think about it. Look at the life of Paul. Listen to Paul again. He said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Could I ask you, does that define you? Have you fought the good fight? Have you kept the faith? Can you say that? Thirdly, look at verse 8. Paul said, in view of this, he said, finally there is up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day and not to me only but also to all who loved his appearing. Number one, Paul was confident in the Lord. Let me tell you what, as a child of God, if we don't have confidence, something is missing in our lives. You need to be confident in your relationship to God. Look at the Apostle Paul. Any wondering on his part? Any wavering? Do you hear a tinge of uncertainty, hesitancy in his voice? No, listen to him again. He said, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, listen to him, will give to me in that day. Let me tell you, that is confidence. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and I can just hear the apostle Paul verbally saying, for we know that if the earthly house, this tabernacle, this tent be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Are you telling me, the, are you telling me Paul, that you're confident in your relationship to God? Yes, I am. Are you telling me that you're not wondering about the future? You're not wavering in your faith? That's exactly what I'm saying. Let me tell you what, that's how we need to be. We need to be bold in our faith. When John wrote in the latter part of the first century, he said, Look, these things I've written to you that believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you might know that you have eternal life. If you don't have confidence, something is missing in your faith. And Paul's saying, look, I'm confident. Do you think I'm worried about Nero? You think I'm worried about being beheaded? I'm not worried about that. Paul's saying, look, for me to live as Christ, to die, oh, it's gain. To depart me with Christ, far better. Look at that attitude. Look at the confidence I get it. Look, we want to live as long as humanly possible. We want to be around a while. I understand. I'm with you. What I'm saying is, though, when we come to the end of the road, and I can tell you right now, the road will end one day. You'll come to the end of the road. You ever gotten on a ride at a theme park, amusement park? Man, you're going up and down and around, and you're having the time of your life. But that ride comes to an end, doesn't it? Pulls back in. The bars pop up. Guess what? It's time to get off. Let me tell you what. There's going to come a day when the ride here, it'll stop. It'll be time to get off. You need to be confident. You need to be ready to meet the Lord. Paul was. So he was confident in the Lord. And then secondly, let me tell you what. He understood he had a crown waiting on him in the Lord. Listen to him again. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Did Jesus not say, look, you be faithful until death, and what will I do? I will bestow on you the crown of life. That is the Stephanos, the victor's crown. There's coming a day when every child of God, every single solitary saint, going all the way back to Adam, those who have followed Almighty God, we will stand with the righteous. Amen. And God will lay the crown of life on our head. Will you get a crown of life? Paul said, look, I'm confident in the Lord. I'm confident and I understand. I know without a shadow of a doubt there is a crown waiting for me. Jesus talked about... Talked about that day when he would come. And he said, He will say to those on the right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Jesus said, as I mentioned just a moment ago, be faithful until death. The promise is the crown of life. Now, let me ask this question Is life always fair? Is life filled with hardships? And sorrows and trials and tribulations. Do we understand everything going on all the time? No, we don't. So, in life, what do you have? You have peaks and valleys, don't you? Highs and lows, joys, frustrations. Life is not always what I would call a mountaintop experience. It'd be great if it was, but that's not life, is it? Life is filled with ups and downs, and if you don't understand that, you're setting yourself up for failure. I mentioned Abraham Lincoln just a moment ago. Look at the defeats over and over and over and over again. But what was he? He was resilient. His attitude was, look, just because I lost today doesn't mean I'll lose tomorrow. I'm going to keep pushing on. Look at the life of Paul. Did Paul get beaten down, roughed up? Did he tumble and fall from time to time? Did life get rough? Yes. Think about how we are to react in the face of adversity. And you think about life, and life's not always just a smooth line. If you've ever been out on the water, it's not, it's, it's not without wakes in life. And so James would say, blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he has been tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. In that context, he's talking about the temptations that we face that are very real to us every single day. And then he's talking about all the trials that are so common to those of us who live here on planet Earth. And yes, that means Christians. He's writing to Christians. And he's saying, look, you be faithful no matter what. Why? You can't afford to quit. You don't want to quit. Why? Because that's not who you are. You're a child of God. The devil wants you to throw in the towel. The devil wants you to say, you know what, I've had enough. I'm done with this stuff. And every time somebody does that, the devil says, I won. As a child of God, we, we've got a say in that. As a child of God, we can say, Look, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. And there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. This morning, as we close, have you quit? Thrown in the towel? given up I don't know what's going on in your life I know what some folks are facing but I don't know what I don't know what everybody's facing there are times in life when we don't share some of the battles and some of the losses that we face in life what I'm saying to you today is look you may have been knocked to the mat but let me tell you what you can get back up Get on that horse and go forward. So if you're here today and you're a Christian, but for whatever reason you have quit, won't you come home? You know, the Bible says confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. Let me tell you what, we would be more than happy before we close this service to sit down and pray on your behalf. And the beauty of it is your sins will be forgiven. You'll be back in fellowship with God. Maybe you're here today, you're not a Christian. And you gave up on life a long time ago. And because of some of the battles and heartaches and trials that you faced in life, you've just given up altogether. Could I say that the Lord could make it better? It's one thing to suffer in life. It's another thing to suffer without the Lord. So what would you need to do to become one of his children? Well, believe that he is the son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm he, you'll die in your sins. Repent of all your sins, Luke 13, 3. Be baptized into Christ so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 2, verse 38. You will be doing the very same thing the apostle Paul did. Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. He was instructed, arise, be baptized, wash away your sins. Now let me tell you what, was Paul perfect? No, he was not. Did he make mistakes in life? Yes. But he did not allow those imperfections And those difficult times, those losses, so to speak, in life, He didn't let those things define Him. And my prayer is that you won't allow them to define you. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love